and welcome to Curdled Ink, one woman's tirade against poor writing and problematic romance. My name is Lee, and here we are in Chapter 5 of Fifty Shades of Grey. As usual, trigger warnings will be in the episode descriptions, and of course, if there are any that I missed, please let me know, and I'll be happy to add them. I have my cat with me. He might want to try to climb on my recording setup, so we'll see what he says. Also, it is extremely hot where I am right now, so I am recording with my closet door open and a fan on in my bedroom because otherwise I will die. So if the audio quality is slightly less good <laughs> this time around, I am very sorry, but I'm trying not to die. Here's my kitty. Purr into the mic for us, will ya? Here, go up in your bed. I record right next to his cat bed on top of my dresser in my closet, so he's very interested in what I'm doing. And he's not gonna leave me alone the whole time, is he? Okay, that's fine. So anyway, chapter five, if you remember, we left last chapter with Anna passing out drunk in Christian's arms. And so of course we wake up with her in Christian's hotel room. Let's see where to begin. Ah, yes. Okay. So one of my main problems with the writing style in this series is that it's a fucking roller coaster. It's so inconsistent. Like Anna literally uses words like oh gosh, oh golly, I don't even fucking know, oh geez, she says oh geez, as like, not as part of dialogue, but as part of her like, internal narration of the book. Like, the narration of this book includes the word fucking as like, like he's so fucking gorgeous, as like an actual descriptor of things. And then we turn around and Christian says something phlegmatically. Yeah, so it's like E.L. James is like going back and forth between this total casual writing style and just like randomly raiding the thesaurus. I, those two things really don't go well together in the same book. Like either pick the casual voice or have the like florid fucking hoity-toity tone of voice. I'm <laughs> I can't think of the word that I want right now, but like you either have the the really eloquent poetic narration or you have casual narration and she is just switching back and forth between them at will and this got past editors and publishers and all kinds of people without them trying to clean that up and I'm so disappointed in all of them. Holy shit. So anyway, she wakes up, Christian like figures out that she's awake or whatever, and they, so they start talking and almost immediately she talks about feeling like the villain for like making him interrupt his night to come get her from the bar. But in fact, Anna did not ask Christian for shit. She did not ask him to come get her. She in fact did not give any indication that she wanted him involved at all, and yet he's the one who tracked her phone, stalked her, came and found her and picked her up and now he's like oh you made me go out of my way to get no no fuck you christian this is on you that you involved yourself at all this is entirely on you oh and then she's like oh you're developing the latest tech to find me or whatever and he's like no the tech to track phones is available on the internet as if that makes it okay as if that makes any of his actions any fucking better no my my company doesn't develop surveillance software. I don't fucking care. You're still a stalker. Here we have our first quote. 
page 67. Anna says, are you going to continue to scold me? Christian, is that what I'm doing? I think so. You're lucky I'm just scolding you. What do you mean? Well, if you were mine, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a week after the stunt you pulled yesterday. Oh boy, there's so much wrong here. Okay, first of all, she's not yours, Christian. She is not. Categorically, she's not. So therefore, you have absolutely no right to take the moral high ground about her going to a bar and getting drunk. She is absolutely allowed to do that whenever the fuck she wants. She is an adult. She is of legal drinking age. She can go to the bar and get wasted. You have no say in that because she is not your submissive. You have not had that conversation. She still doesn't even fucking know that you're kinky. So that's number one. Number two, she doesn't know that you're kinky. She doesn't know that you're a dom. She definitely knowing what we know about her has not even grokked that that's what you want from her. She has no idea. So the fact that you're saying you're threatening violence towards her is fucking terrifying. Like, okay, I know in your head it's all negotiated and consensual violence and it's like a fun punishment spanking, whatever, I don't know. Maybe even not a fun punishment spanking, but it's a consensual punishment spanking. She doesn't know that. Therefore, you are way the fuck over the line right now. Holy shit. Oh, and then Anna goes on to defend Jose for assaulting her by saying, Jose just got out of line. Excuse me? You deserve so much better than that. He literally sexually assaulted you last night. Don't fucking defend him for that. I don't care if he was drunk. I don't give a fuck. That's not an excuse. That is not an excuse. What he did was still wrong and you have no reason to defend him. And like, holy shit, E.L. James, are you okay? Like, is this okay in your life? Are, are you just like laughing off dudes who non-consensually kiss you and like grab you and shit? Because don't do that. That's not like you have a right to defend yourself. Like, don't let sh that shit go by. And then Christian walks out of the room to go take a shower and Anna spends a good paragraph being confused about the feeling of being turned on and just like very, very vaguely describing like heat in places and tingling and desire. Is this desire? Is this what it feels like? And like, honey, the way you have been describing yourself so far seems pretty clear to me that you're not asexual, that you do in fact experience sexual attraction. You are, what, 22 years old? Something in that area? You're telling me you've never been turned on before? You really don't know what that feels like. Alright, E.L. James. I just can't. I just can't with this writing. I just can't. Uh, so then she's, like, sitting there thinking about how Christian says, well, if you were mine, blah, 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 and she wants to be his. She's, like, conceptualizing him as a white knight swooping in to rescue her from the bar last night. It's like, sweetheart, that's not, that's not what happened. <laughs> he stalked you. He picked you up from the bar, yes, against your will. He's treated you like shit pretty much the entire time you've known each other. He is so far from a white knight. And again, E.L. James, if this is what you consider white knight behavior, are you okay? Because it doesn't seem like you're okay. Oh, yeah, speaking of, hey, is E.L. James okay? So then Anna goes to shower and she's trying to figure out if Christian wants her. Yes, of course he does. Spoilers. And her subconscious is like, well, 
Since you've spent the night in his hotel room and he didn't touch you, read assault you when you were passed out drunk, the obvious conclusion is that he finds you repulsive and doesn't want you at all. Let's just take a moment and stop there and think about that for a second. You were quite literally blackout drunk last night. You quite literally passed out in his arms. He took you back to his hotel room. He did not take advantage of you. He did not rape you because that's what it would have been at that point. She could not have consented at that point. So if he had done anything to her, it would have been assault. It would have been rape. I want to make that absolutely clear. She is saying that because Christian Grey did not rape her, he must not find her attractive. He must not want to keep dating her. Like, how fucked up is that girl? Like, literally, in all seriousness, if that's your thought process, go to therapy. I am not joking. I am not being hyperbolic. You need therapy. That is an incredibly warped perspective that speaks to deeply, deeply harmful self-esteem issues. If that's you, if you think that someone raping you would be a compliment, you need professional help because that mindset is going to put you in so much danger in your life. It's going to open you up to so many abusive situations where you need to be standing up for yourself and setting boundaries. I, I, I'm not even, I, I just, I can't even make a joke or, or go on a rant about this right now. Like, that's horrifying to me. That is absolutely horrifying that someone would be, that this author would be familiar enough with that mindset to put it in her character's head. Not, and again, not even as a story of Anna overcoming her debilitating self-esteem issues and mental health issues, but just like as the beginning of a romance. That's horrifying. Oh yeah, uh, remember Christian's driver, Taylor, who I guess is also kind of his butler slash assistant slash whatever the fuck the story needs him to be? So anyway, Taylor has bought Anna an entire new outfit, including bra and panties, which seems inappropriate, creepy, over the line. Maybe that's just me, but uh, anyway, she gets dressed in the new outfit, whatever, of course it fits perfectly, again, creepy. And Christian is, of course, annoyed that she didn't completely dry her hair after showering, which, again, no, she's not your sub, you're not allowed to get angry at her for that, because she doesn't have to do shit that you want her to do. She is not your submissive, she's not. This, that's not how it works. So Christian has ordered like a shit ton of room service for breakfast. This is the first time we encounter his attitude about food, which I will talk more about a little bit later on in this chapter. But um, I just want to, I just want to bring it up now because it's kind of an ongoing theme of Christian and Anna and food. There is some trauma around food that Christian has, and he has clearly not dealt with it at all beyond taking it out on his submissives, and by extension, Anna, because he is treating her like her submissive, like his submissive without ever having the conversation about it first. But anyway, yeah, there's going to be discussion about food and kind of an unhealthy relationship to food. So anyway, in the meantime, Anna tries to offer to pay Christian back for the clothes, which of course he refuses, which is kind of setting up a huge imbalance in the relationship already that he's just dumping 
all of this money on her. And like, okay, here's my perspective. Having been in the past the person in the relationship who is financially better off, and now being in a situation where I'm where finances are a little bit tighter. Um, I don't mind like spoiling my partner when I can. I don't mind getting spoiled when my partner can. Like I don't I don't think spending a large amount of money on your partner if you are in a pr- position to do that is inherently a bad thing. I think <laughs> it's way too fucking early in the relationship to be doing that. Remember, they have been on one singular date. And also, if you're going to be spending vast quantities of money on your partner without anything in return, there needs to be a conversation about that. Because, let's face it, we all have to survive under capitalism. We live in a capitalist society, therefore, money is power. And if you have most of the money in a relationship, that gives you a lot of power. You know, even if it's not overtly a findom or a sugar daddy type of situation, it's still power. Implicit, explicit, whatever, it's power. And it can cause a lot of problems later on in the relationship if you're not kind of on the same page about money. (laughs) I just feel like that needs to be a conversation. And especially if you're like spending amounts of money that your partner is not comfortable with, that also needs to be a conversation because... I mean, the way that Christian spends money on Anna, it's it's kind of almost a form of ma- manipulation where he's like, I'm going to get you these things and you are going to use them. You're going to wear the clothes that I buy you. You're going to have these books that I bought you, whatever. And it, it's, it's, it really is a way for him to control her, which is not good. Also, like, you know, a lot of truly abusive situations, the, the victim is I'm not sure if victim is like the politically correct term or not, but uh, I can't think of another term, a better term right now, so I'm sorry, but um, the receiver of the abuse, the victim, is stuck in that situation because their partner has all the money, has made it that way deliberately, and, and so that they cannot get the funds together to move out to get to escape that situation. So anyway, yikes. Oh yeah, so (laughs) this one won't be as funny to people who are not familiar with the geography of Seattle and Washington State more generally, but it's very, very clear that this author has not done enough research about the geography of Seattle because Anna mentions moving into an apartment in the Pike Market District. Uh, you mean downtown? Because nobody, (laughs) nobody fucking calls it the Pike Market District. And it's not even Pike Market, it's Pike Place Market. Thank you. Anyway, downtown. She's moving downtown. Christian mentions that he also lives near downtown, which, I don't know, bro. That's, uh, that's not typically where the rich people live in Seattle. But, uh, sure, dude, whatever. I don't know, I guess, like, Belltown is gentrifying and, and places around downtown are gentrifying, but I really, I don't think Christian would be living downtown. I think he'd be living somewhere else, uh, but whatever. So he asks if Anna has applied to work at his company, which, again, not the best idea to have your partner as also your boss, and in this case, not just your boss, but the fucking CEO. Once again, that is a huge 
fucking power imbalance and like not even the fun kind the kind that can very easily lead to trapping you into an abusive situation and so he's like have you applied to work at my company and then immediately switches into flirt mode because el james does not know how to write natural flows of conversation so that's fun oh shit this is where we first hear about the contract. He, when he says, I'm not going to touch you until I have your written consent, which coming from a dude who has gone through so many consent violations already, that's fucking rich. Jesus Christ. Stalking, tracking your phone, being a dickbag at every turn, that's all fine. But you gotta get my written consent to kiss me. Okay, dude. Fucking weird flex, but okay. Yikes. Also, I'm gonna save my rant about the contract for when we actually learn more about the contract, but let me just say right here that having a written contract to outline the entirety of your kink relationship is not a great idea, guys. It's just not. If you are a pro-dom or a pro-sub, maybe having some paperwork would be good. I don't know. I've never worked as a pro-kinkster in any context, so I don't know the details details about that, but it seems like maybe it might be a good idea to have some signatures on some paper. But for a non-pro relationship, life partner, not life partner, but you know, boyfriend, girlfriend type of dom-sub relationship, you don't need a contract. And in fact, I would encourage you not <laughs> to set up a fucking contract, but we'll get there later. And so this is where he starts really hinting at his kink. They decide on a meeting that night to discuss things, and Christian says, Once you know the truth, you probably won't want to see me again. First of all, that's not how to come out, like, that's not how to preface saying something to a new partner that you're kind of nervous about, because as Anna does... She immediately builds it up in her mind of like, oh shit, is he like trafficking children to work in like diamond mines? Is he, you know, like, is he some horrible criminal? Is he a mob boss? Like, that's where her mind immediately goes. She makes it so much worse in her head than it actually is, which you don't need to be putting someone through that. And in fact, the best way to get a good reaction when you tell someone something that you're kind of nervous about is to like set it up to be no big thing, even like set it up to be a positive thing. You know, come at it kind of like, I mean, I don't know, casually, maybe if that's your style, but just be like, yeah, so you know, I'm into some things that not everybody's into. It's not everybody's boat, but I'm, I'm kind of kinky. I'm kind of dominant, whatever it is. I feel like it's, it's the same way as like disclosing that you're trans or disclosing that you're poly. It's just like, yeah, so here's this thing about me. It's not everybody's cup of tea and uh, have a discussion, have a conversation about it. And if you, if you're not in a situation where you feel safe enough to have that kind of, you know, to not make it a huge deal, then maybe this relationship isn't right for you. Also, what it speaks to that he's like, you're never gonna want to see me again once you know. He's so fucking ashamed of his kinkiness. Holy shit, dude. Oh my god, like, it, it almost, almost, almost gives me some sympathy for him. Because, like, come on. Nobody deserves to be that ashamed 
of who they are, of what they like. Even though it's it becomes pretty clear later on in the book that his kink is kind of born out of a place of trauma, which, you know, seems to be a relatively common practice or common occurrence among kinksters. And that's valid and that's fine. But it seems like that is leading him to be like, oh, this is the aftermath of my horrible traumatic childhood. So it's this terrible, horrible, dark secret about myself and I can never be proud of it. I can never be open with it. Nobody will like me after they know this horrible, dark, terrible truth about me. It's like, that's not, no, please go to therapy. Please connect with some other kinksters. Please, please work through your shame around your kink. I, I want that for everyone, even fucking Christian Grey. Fine, there I said it. Anyway, and you know, I could go into like that shame is probably why he's so bad at kink and he hasn't taken the time to understand how to do it properly, but honestly, nah. <laughs> I don't think it really even needs to be read that deep into. I, it's just because E.L. James didn't do her fucking research. So anyway, they're making this plan for tonight. They're gonna take his helicopter to Seattle. Anna says, why? Christian, because I can. Fucking asshat pompous jerk. Jesus fucking Christ, I hate this guy. Oh yes, okay, so he pretty much bullies Anna into eating the rest of her breakfast, which again, that's a recurring theme. He just goes, I don't like wasting food. First of all, again, you don't know this fucking person well enough to be putting that shit on her. You're gonna deal with that shit on your own. This is a stranger. This is not your submissive. You're not allowed to take out your food bullshit on her. Second of all, did you hear of a doggy bag of takeout boxes? I'm damn sure a hotel this nice will provide you some fucking takeout boxes for her to take the rest of her food home if she doesn't fucking want it. Third of all, you're the one who ordered one of like everything off of the room service menu. If you don't like wasting food, what the fuck are you gonna do with the rest of that food, huh? Probably gonna box it up and take it home. So can Anna. You have no right, my man. You have no fucking right. There's no excuse for you to be pulling this bullshit. Go to therapy. Get yourself fixed. There, you can't- and like, okay, yeah, some shit you're never gonna fix. I'm never gonna fix my depression. I'm never gonna fix my anxiety. Shit, I don't know. I might not even ever fix my trauma. So maybe that wasn't the best word for me to use and I apologize. My point is, if your trauma is causing you to lash out at people that you don't even- let me remind you, you don't even fucking know her. You're still basically strangers. And if your trauma is causing you to lash out at people like that, you are in an extremely unhealthy place and you need professional help. That's what I'm trying to say. So we find out that last night was the first time he'd ever shared a bed with anyone because of course, that's not the kind of thing you do if you're kinky. <laughs> Psych. This is another one of those like societal tropes or whatever, like misconceptions that E.L. James is just totally like taking at face value and not bothering to research past that like quote unquote normal, like vanilla relationship stuff, like going on dates and sharing a bed together and getting married and being romantic. Those never happen in BDSM relationships. Those never happen in kinky relationships. If it's kink it's just all whips and chains all the time you're never gentle with each other you're never sweet with each other it's like i don't know i feel like society kind of thinks that like if you're in a bdsm relationship you don't truly like you can't truly be in love with each other which of course all of that is bullshit people in kinky relationships get married all the time they live together all the time 
they go out to dinner and the movies and like the fucking aquarium and go on dates and shit all the time all the fucking time all around you every day it's great and there's absolutely romance in kinky relationships there's like entirely new avenues to explore romance through kink like that's one of my personal crusades honestly like one of my biggest things that i hate about the societal perception of kink is that it's not romantic because it absolutely can be and frequently is incredibly romantic and incredibly sweet and tender and affectionate. You know, maybe that romance doesn't look exactly the way romance would in a, in a vanilla relationship, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. Some of my, like, deepest, most romantically, affectionately connected moments with my partner have been kinky moments. Because that's- it's such an integral part of how I express not just my sexuality, but my attraction and my affection for my partners. And so expressing that part of myself and having it be accepted and reciprocated and loved by someone else, like, that's the definition of romance. And also, this is going to be a recurring thing that I'm going to talk about throughout this series. I can tell already, kink is built by necessity on so much trust and open, honest communication. It's an incredibly vulnerable thing sometimes oftentimes for so many reasons trusting someone so much loving someone so much that you can put yourself in that vulnerable situation and trust them to treat you the way you want or need to be treated i mean what could possibly be more romantic than that i don't know all of that is to say that christian has never shared a bed with any of his partners because E.L. James doesn't know what the fuck a kinky relationship looks like. And of course, because I'm me, I feel the need to add the caveat that if you are in a deeply committed relationship and you don't want to share the bed with each other, that's also perfectly valid. It's just the way that it's written in this book that it's like so tied up in the kink shaming and the weirdness of the way that this completely non-kinky person is attempting to write kink. That's the problem that I have with it. You know, I, I have nothing against not wanting to share a bed with a partner. That's a perfectly valid way to live your life and navigate your relationship. Anyway, moving on. Ah yes, here we go. The infamous toothbrush scene, which some of you who are not familiar with this book may be familiar with this scene because it was oft spoken of when the books first came out. Honestly, I feel like this is the most genuinely kinky scene out of the book so far. <laughs> so she's back in the bedroom, she wants to brush her teeth. She doesn't have a toothbrush, so, so she uses Christian's toothbrush and it's still damp from him using it which gives her a thrill because it's almost like having Christian inside her. How fucking kinky is that? It's a toothbrush. Like that's so pervy and I love it. Like this is the least problematic moment of kink so far. Like not that we've had a whole lot of kinky moments so far, but holy shit, Anna. Anna, I think you might actually be a perv. On the other hand, that feels a little bit over the line to me to use someone else's toothbrush without their consent, but that might be a personal thing. That might be a personal boundary. I don't know. Maybe not everyone would care, but uh, I would. I would love for you to ask my consent before you use my toothbrush, please. So here's the last scene for the chapter. Here's my last rant for the chapter. It's going to be a good one. Buckle the fuck in. Here comes some more sexual assault and consent violation. Woo! 
So in the elevator on the way down from the hotel room, Christian goes, fuck the paperwork and kisses Anna, which I don't know, I guess could be hot and passionate and whatever if you wrote it in a certain way, which E.L. James looked at that certain way, turned in the completely opposite direction. Christian restrains Anna's hands, pins her to the wall of the elevator with his hips, and pulls her hair to kiss her, which is hot if you've gotten consent for all of those things. He has not gotten consent for any of those things. And also, they're in an elevator. She is trapped until that elevator stops and the doors open. So if she did not want that kiss in that way, not only is he restraining her, but the environment is restraining her. She has no way to refuse that kiss. That's not okay. Especially, especially for a first kiss. Holy shit. That's the worst possible way to do a first kiss. I get it. You're attracted to her. You're horny. I've been there. You still do the lean in halfway and let her close the distance thing, okay? Even if you're getting consent with body language, you still have to fucking get consent. And then if you want to restrain her hands and pin her to the wall and pull her hair, you fucking need consent for all of those things separately. I don't give a fuck. You don't know this woman. You don't know her preferences. You don't know her boundaries. You don't know her triggers. You don't know her traumas. You need consent. That's so far over so many lines and it's supposed to be this bodice ripper, like hot passions, whatever scene and I'm just running out of words. I'm so angry about this kiss and I was angry about it the first time I read about it and I'm fucking angry about it now. Nothing about this was okay. So, so many consent violations condensed into like two paragraphs of writing. Holy fuck. I am not okay with this. Any of it. Okay. They walk out of the elevator on cloud nine, of course, because it's romantic and so she was fine with it. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Don't care. They walk out of the elevator. Boom. Chapter ends. My throat hurts from yelling. That's it for this episode. Fucking exhausted, dude. This is like my second workout for the day recording this fucking podcast. So thank you again for listening to this week's rant. My name is Lee. You can find my non-sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash artist, And you can find my sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash candykitten. This podcast can be found at all allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod. Be sure to check the episode description for the spellings on all of those links. Speaking of links, you can find this podcast's Patreon at that last All My Links link where you can support this podcast monthly in return for some fun, exclusive content. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. I've got lots of ways for you to pay me. Don't even worry about it. And if you can't, don't want to, or don't feel comfortable supporting me monetarily, and trust me, I get it, please rate and or leave a review on your podcatcher of choice, or tell a friend, write a blog post, do whatever you want to do to spread the word about this humble podcast. That would be so, so appreciated. Our logo is by Reese Jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com. And until next time, remember your rack that is risk-aware consensual kink.
it's like she's going back and forth between like really casual writing and just <sighs> fucking police sirens lordy oh yeah my window's also open so i'm just like breaking all of the podcast audio rules today oh well she never asked him for shit here comes cat oh boy can he do it come on down you got it come on you can do it yeah oh good boy thank you for being so respectful of my recording equipment that's so nice of you and we're back i had to take a break to like <sighs> calm down tie my hair up it is hot as fuck in here okay water break Whew, i'm gonna go sit in front of a fan with some iced tea or something